the world's most dangerous man presents the world's most dangerous podcast. No gloves, no rules, only God-given talent. Now, here's your host, Hall of Famer, Ken Shamrock. I am your host, Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man. On today's podcast, we'll be talking about working security for nightclubs back in the day and also illegal bare-knuckle fights. Well, those are some times. Let's get, I, I got to go back to when I realized and my father told me. <laughs> uh, I was actually 18 years old and I was working in, a, in the group home for the boys. I was a peer counselor at the time. And uh, I was home on summer from uh, college. <clears throat> I was playing football and I was in college. And uh, I was going out on, uh, on the weekend. Um, and I had two, two of my friends with me. And my dad let us drive his 57 Eldorado Cadillac. It was convertible. It was a custom car. It was, it was nice. So he was letting me drive it into town. We were going to this party. And I had just broken up with this girl. Um, I don't know, probably two months prior to that when I had uh, um, ended up coming back home. And so I remember going to this party and we had gotten behind this truck and we were following the truck to the party. Well, the, it, it, and this was just a small town, so it, it was coincidence. As we were following them, the truck stops and pulls over and this guy gets out and the guy that got out uh, his name was Sanchez. He goes about 6'4", 260. He's got Birkenstocks on and shorts and a tank top. And he stops walking towards my car. And I'm like, well, what's his problem? So I get out and he starts screaming at me going, what are you doing following me, man? You and your girlfriend are broke up. You, you, I don't know why you're still following her. And I looked at him and said, what are you talking about? And she pokes her head out and screams, you got to stop following me. And I was like, I broke up with you. <laughs> I was like, why would I follow you? We're all going to a party. And he, so he pushes me <clears throat> and I don't do well when people touch me. And so I just hit him, put it right on the jaw. I lifted a 260 pound man out of his Birkenstocks onto the ground. When he hit the ground, his shoes were still in the spot where I hit him. And, uh, I remember going, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm 18 years old, right? I mean, I've been in fights too, but this guy was 24. Um, he was one of the tougher guys in town. He had a reputation um, along with another guy named Perez. And so I was really building my reputation at this time because uh, I was 18 and, um, and I was pretty tough in my own right, but not, I was an adult, right? I was still a teenager. And so, I mean, I didn't even think about it. I just turned and hit him. And so then I might, uh, Billy Burke, who was in the car with me at the time, and then I believe it was Rupert Osovich, the other kid, uh, they're screaming at me, get in the car, get in the car. And so I jump in the car. And, of course, we, we're not going to the party now. <laughs> so we spin around and we go home. And they go in and they start telling me, oh, you should have seen him, man. Sanchez got out of the car and, and he, he shoved Ken and Ken just punched him, man. And he lifted him up out of his shoes and he landed on the ground. And he did not get up. And just as we're talking about it, my dad gets a phone call. And this is probably uh, 11 o'clock at night. And he picks up the phone and I kind of hear this loud voice on the phone, right? And screaming and yelling. And my dad's smiling, right? He's looking at me and I was like, who is it? And my dad goes, um, anytime 
you can come out tonight. You can bring your friends. I'll serve some popcorn and some Coke. You and Tim can go in the backyard and finish what you started. If, if, if you think you cheap shot at you, you can come out to the house and you can fight. Because we had a standing rule. Anybody that wanted to fight, you didn't fight in town, which I couldn't help it. If you had a beef, you could come out to the house and we could go out back and we could settle our differences. And that was a standing thing in town that anybody wanted to fight. You could come out to the house. Don't do it down. You get arrested. Well, he was angry and he thought I cheap shot him. And, um, <laughs> and so my dad says, well, come on out, Sanchez. Will you bring your friends and we'll make a party of it? And so he says, I'll be right out there. So my dad hangs up the phone. He says, oh, he's going to, I guess he wants some more. I'm, I'm, of course, especially when I was young, I was full of piss and vinegar. So I'm pacing back and forth like, I mean, I can't wait. Like I'm just pacing and I'm waiting for him to get there. 45 minutes go by. No Sanchez. So an hour goes by, the phone rings again. And I don't hear the voice screaming, right? So I don't think it's him. And then my, my dad goes, oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, you guys, it's settled. You're good. You're okay. And he goes, yeah, I think my jaw's broke. Well, at least that's what my dad told me. So my dad hangs up the phone and he looks at me and he goes, <laughs> he, says, uh, he, he says he ain't coming. <laughs> he says he's never been hit that hard in his life. <laughs> so... My dad had told me, um, especially after this, because uh, and we'll go into some of the other ones, um, was that, and and people don't know this because I was a grappler. I had always weighed the, the 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 striking and the grappling, and can't get lucky with the submission, but you can get lucky with a punch. Two guys can throw, and and somebody with no skill can still land a punch. So that's why I locked in on the grappling because I took away any of the chances of anything lucky happening. So no one really got to know the kind of power that I present in my hands. And so um, my dad told me one time, he said, someday you're going to kill somebody because I had that power in my hands. And um, and I lifted him out of his actually out of his shoes and just dropped him. Well, as soon as that happens, you know, I go off to college. I play some football. I'm down in Redding, California, which is about two hours away. And I get into this club called Doc's Sky Room. And um, so I start bouncing there. And um, I mean, I'm 19 years old. And it's 19 years old. I'm in college. I got a job at Doc Skyrim. And uh, right away, I started gaining a reputation because I was, you can say I was definitely short-tempered and I didn't put up with a lot. Somebody touched me. It was over. And uh, I remember there was a couple times, there was one, actually one incident where um, there was about five guys um, and they were waiting um, for me to, when I came out of the club because we had closed down. We'd thrown some guys out. And so as I was coming out of the club, there was about five guys out there and I noticed it. And there was one guy still inside. And so we both walked out there and said, hey, you guys got a problem. We can settle this right now. And all the calls are gone. So we had a whole parking lot, right? There's only a few cars there that people had left, but it pretty much had the whole parking lot. So as I start to walk up, the guy comes from behind me and he has a baseball bat and he swings it at me and he hits me in my back with it, not in the head, but in the back. And the bat breaks, literally breaks over my back. And I'm pissed and I stand up and I turn and I punch blindly and I hit him and I put him on the ground. Right. And then I grab another guy and I slam his head into the car and my other buddy, the other guy started running. Right. So he doesn't even get to touch him. Well, the guy that I hit first um, ended up going to the hospital because I hit him in the temple and ended up messed his eyesight. He was not, his eyes were definitely off. He said I messed up his eyes and he couldn't see uh, the one of the eyes. Um, 
So it, and so it, it, it was one of those things wherever I hit somebody, and there was a couple of instances doing that too, where I would hit them. And every single time I hit somebody, they went to the hospital. It wasn't just a knockdown. They got up and left. They were in the hospital. And so I gained quite a reputation right away. It wasn't till I had gone to Reno where I'd actually got a nickname. Um, I had finished college, played football, went to play some semi-pro, uh, got a tryout with the Chargers, um, end up moving to Reno, Nevada, back closer to home where I was at from Reading. And I got a, a job at the place called the um, um, Premier Club uh, in Reno. And anybody can look this up because the club got closed down after this. But um, um, I had gotten into a, a scuffle. When I got in a couple before that in Ramey Bernanga, who was a friend of mine here in Reno, who lives in Michigan now, and uh, Lance Hill, who still lives here in Reno. Uh, those guys, you know, they bounced with me with uh, some other guys that were there at the time, too. But those two were with me all the time. And so we were bouncing. And, and, and on this particular night, it was just me and one other bouncer. It was a Wednesday night. And uh, this guy named Trevor Molini um, had come into the club and he he had played for I believe it was Reno High, not 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 positive, but then went on and got a scholarship at Brigham Young University. And he was about 280, about six, five or six, six. And he played tight end. And um, so he had come back in town. And he brought some of his friends with him. And there was probably four of them. One of them was an offensive lineman who now plays for the Atlanta Falcons. I'm not going to mention his name or did play for the Atlanta Falcons, he doesn't still play there, but did play for the Atlanta Falcons. And Trevor would have had a uh, – he would have been playing in the NFL if it hadn't been for what I did to him. Um, but uh, – so and there was a couple other guys, some friends from Reno that, that they were friends with. Well, they come in the club, and, and it's not real crowded, right? It's Wednesday night, and I'm working the door. And so Trevor comes in with his friends, and, and of course, you know, I asked for the ID, and they're, they're – they're, not being nice, but, you know, as a doorman, you let a lot of that go. He's okay. Just go in. You know, I knew who he was. And so I let him go. I just go in, and, you know, guys have fun. So uh, he gets in there and there's a long hallway and I can see down the hallway because it goes to the right to the bar. So you got a hallway and then you go right into the club. So I can see all the way down. Well, I hear the screaming going on. And as I look down the hall, there's this guy about five foot eight and He's he's uh, in in Trevor's face, who is like six, 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 five, six, six, you know, 260, 80 pounds, something like that. Big dude played, you know, and he's quick, too. So I mean, screaming and the guy's screaming back at him. And so his friends are all standing around. And I was like, oh, man. So the guy on the floor doesn't see it. Right. So I go off the door into there and I get in between. And I said, hey, just chill out, man. So I tell the one guy, hey, go to that bar right there. Tell that bartender I'll buy you a drink. I look at um, Trevor. I go, dude, let me buy you a drink. So I try to grab him by the arm. I say, come on, let me buy you a drink. He pulls his arm away from me and says, I'm going to rip your head off and bleep down your neck. And I was like, okay, now you got to go. And he looks at me and goes, who's going to throw me out? And as soon as he said that, I jumped, I flipped behind him immediately, grabbed him in the choke, started dragging him out backwards. So it's facing and I'm pulling him. I pulling backwards as I'm dragging him out. So his buddies are following as I'm pulling him out the door and I got no backup. The backup's on the floor and I don't even know if he sees me yet. So I get him out there, bust through the double doors, get out there. I throw him on the ground and I square up. Well, his buddies are standing there to look at him to see if he's okay. Well, he gets up and I look at him and I say, if he comes at me, I'm going to hurt him. And I'm 198 pounds at this 198 pounds. <laughs> he's a big old guy. I tell him, I'm going to hurt you. So he gets up off the ground and uh, 
His friends grab him and push him against the wall. Say, brother, man, we don't need this. I guess Trevor had been in trouble already um, at the university and also in Reno, and he was going to lose his scholarship. <clears throat> and so the, his friends are trying to keep him out of trouble. Like, hey, don't do this. Well, he literally punches one, one of his friends and he hits the other friend and knocks him down. And then he starts running towards me. And it all slowed down for me. It was like he started running and it was like, I see him. It was slow motion. And so he threw a punch at me. And as he throws a punch, I ducked and rolled under it. And I threw my punch right over the top of his shoulder, caught him right in the cheekbone right here. And when I hit him and this one, my dad's um, prediction almost came true is I hit him so hard. I shoved his cheekbone up into his brain. And that's no lie. You can look at it because it's on file. Mills Lane at the time was the DA who was the boxing referee. He was a DA at the time and he called it mutual combat, which means nobody was at fault. Nobody was in the wrong. It just happened. Um, and when I hit him, it, it, I stopped him in his tracks. This is a big dude. And he was running and spun him around and he hit the ground. Well, when he hit the ground, there was like, I don't know if you ever seen one of those highway uh, patrol magazines where somebody's head was squished and there was blood all the way around. That's what it was like. It literally blood came out of his head. And I looked down and girls started screaming, you killed him. I mean, literally it was chaos. And I thought I killed him. I mean, I looked down and I thought I just killed this guy. And I was like, oh, how do I, what, how did this happen? Like, you know, I mean, the, the, the feeling that you go through it is just, it's, it's, it's unsettling. And so I remember just sitting there quiet. And, and D'Amico, Ken D'Amico was working the floor, comes out after all the stuff was done. And he was like, call the ambulance, call the ambulance. Ambulance came and got him. Ended up putting him in the, the, the ambulance, took him to the hospital. And uh, when, when he got to the hospital, he went into a coma. And so yeah, it was uh, quite scary for me because I didn't know if he was going to come out of the coma. And uh, he ended up coming out of the coma. But... Um, they end up closing the club down um, after, even though it was Mills Lane uh, ruled it a mutual combat, but then they went up to civil lawsuit, all that other stuff in the civil. And so the, the, instead of having to fight it and spend all that money, they just closed and then reopened under another name. But though that, and this is all stuff that you can find in the file in the Reno files with um, Mills Lane and, and some of the decisions. And, and that was a scary thing for me because my dad told me one day you're going to kill somebody and, and it almost happened. And it was a sickening, sick, the sick feeling in my gut that I almost just lost everything. Like, I don't know how courts would have went, even though I was in the right. It's still, man, now you're taking a chance on your life of them actually seeing it your way. Um, this guy's dad was the game warden in Reno, Nevada at the time. And casino and gambling was a big deal. So it was it was a, a scary moment. But I learned a lot of my bare knuckle. And a lot of my fighting um, be, through these kinds of trials, it wasn't like I came out and I just learned how to fight. You know, I ended up moving to Mooresville, North Carolina. And, you know, I started doing squatting, which was, you know, illegal bare knuckle fighting. You know, I did a couple in Reading. I did a couple in Reno. Um, you know, it was 20 bucks here, 30 bucks there. You go outside after a bar, guys will put money down and you just fight. Um, the biggest one I ever fought was in Mooresville, North Carolina, where my neighbor came and got me. Uh, it was two o'clock in the morning and it was at a biker bar. That's a story in itself, because when we were driving there, I literally walked right out of my house 
my neighbor had somebody in the car with him. And when I'm going to come out of the house at two in the morning to go fight this guy down at this biker bar, the guy that's a pastor goes, oh, I could take him. And this guy was probably six, two or something, maybe 190 pounds. At this time, I think I was probably 205 pounds. I was a little bit bigger, two, two, five, two, ten. And so I looked at him and said, shut up, man. You know, just get a car. I don't know this guy. And he's no, I'm serious. He takes 40 bucks and he puts it on the hood. <laughs> I'm literally going to fight for 500 bucks. And I'm like, seriously, man, I'm, come on. And he's like, no, I can take you. And I looked at him and I said, dude, shut up. And he goes, no, come on. So he puts his hands up and I literally, I open hand, slapped him in the ear, knocked him down. He gets up and he's literally falling every time he tries to get up. Boom, boom, boom. And so then I jump in the truck and I said, let's go. So we leave him there, <laughs> take my 40 bucks, leave him there, drive probably five minutes down the road at this biker bar. I get there, the club's closed. All the cars are lined up. The lights are on. It's a gravel pit. I want to get out of the car. And the first thing I asked my roommate is like, dude, if I win, are we going to walk out of here? It's like, this doesn't look like a crowd that likes losing money. And, and, and I don't want to get shot for 500 bucks. And so he pulls this pistol. It's got a barrel on about that long. And he says, I got backup. <laughs> I was like, well, that's not quite what I wanted to see. And that's not quite the answer I was looking for. I said, I don't want to get shot. So he goes, don't worry about it, man. He says, I got, I got the money. So he pulls out the money and says, I got your back. So he puts the money up. I get out. And literally, like I said, this is a, a scary crowd, right? So I get out and I'm walking in. They're all standing around and they're like, oh, dude, you're, you mean, like I said, I was 210. And they're like, dude, he's going, you're going to get killed, kid. You're going to get killed, kid. And I was like, whatever. Heard that before. So this dude comes walking out of the door inside the club, right? And it's it's closed, but there's a light on. There's a side door. He comes out. He starts walking into the middle of the pit. And I kid you not, if this guy wasn't a mountain. I mean, he was like probably 6'6", maybe 300 pounds. Big, big dude. But he had a big stomach, too. And he had this big old beard like Santa Claus and bald head. And he had these boots and jeans on and this wife beater shirt on. And I was, he's like walking out. Like, and I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, you got your reputation around your waist, right? I mean, you may be a big dude, but I'm going to just, I'm going to light this guy up because there's no way he's going to be able to stop my speed, right? And so <clears throat> he comes in, he comes in, walks in, he goes, looks at me and he goes, it's going to be, let's do this. And I was like, all right, are we, are we going now? Like, is the fight on? And it's like, as I say that, he runs at me. And then as he runs at me, same thing Trevor did. He runs and he goes to throw a punch. And I just, and I don't roll though. This time I'm standing in front of him because he's like running into me. Like he's just going to tackle me. Like he's going to boom, run me over. And so I throw a straight right hand. I hit him right in the forehead and I literally hit him, bam, stop him. He sits down and I kid you not, there was a gash in his head and not this wide, but that deep in his forehead. It was that deep. And I, I mean, I literally could see his skull and I hit him, bam. And I, hurt my hand but i didn't break it and i hit him boom and he sits down like literally in a sitting position and blood's pouring down his face and i like okay that's it man we're over because literally like i said i'm thinking i want to walk out of here with the money <laughs> i don't want i don't want anybody to shoot me and so my my friend's standing there and i said that's it man we're good we're done he's done and so as i turn my back and walk towards the truck i hear this voice oh we ain't done yet it's going to be a long night for you. And I literally see in, in, in on the ground in front of me, there's this big old shadow. 
and it's behind me. And as I turn around, it's that dude I just knocked down. He's standing back up again, right? And there's blood all over his face. I'm turning to look at him. What? Is, what? It's going to be a long night. And I'm looking. I almost chuckle like, well, for you. I was like, I'm thinking in my head, what, where, what? Is he in his right mind? Because he's the one not looking good. So as I turn around, he comes at me and throws a punch. And I duck him as he's throwing. He ducked. And I get around him and I grab him around his belly and his waist and I pick him up. I literally, this dude is close to 300 pounds, right? And I lift him off the ground. Boom. And I suplexed him on the top of his head where his legs go over the thing and his knees hit him in the face. His head hits the ground. His legs come over and hit him in the face. And literally he's out, like flat on the ground out. <laughs> and I get up and I said, we're good, right? We're good. Good, good. And I remember grabbing the money off the truck and I told my buddy, get in the car. <laughs> and they're all just standing there like in awe. Like, what just happened? Like, did he, did he just lose? And we jump in the truck, we back up and we take off, right? And as we're going down the road, which I wanted to punch him, he fires his gun out the window like three times. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. Now get him to chase us. So we get going down the road and I was like, man, give me my money. So he hands me my money and I get back in and my dad was actually sleeping at the time. He wakes up the next morning and I say, hey, you missed it. And he says, what happened? I said, oh, I just went down and fought this guy and, and uh, some squatting and stuff and, and made about 500 bucks. And he looks at me and he goes, why didn't you wake me up? And I was like, I, I don't want to bring him into that crowd, man. But that's my – the thing about the love for me, like when I got in the UFC and it was bare knuckle, there's something pure about that. It's just – I mean, obviously, you don't want to go into the get the, the you know alleys and fight like that because it's really not the safest thing to do. But 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 there was just a just adrenaline rush that I felt the pureness of that bare knuckle. It was real, and it was just a. I don't think you're going to get that feeling. You gotta. I mean, as a fighter to experience that, man, there's just it, it falls short of anything else. And to know you're walking in there, bare knuckle, and there's nobody there that's going to help you but you. And that's why I fell in bare knuckle. When I first fought in UFC, it was bare knuckle and no rules, man. I, I fell in love with that because it was nothing, nothing that was going to even come close to how pure that was. There's no referee coming in and stopping it. Oh, you had too much. How do you know how much I, how much I can take? You know what I mean? Like, it's pure. It's you and the other guy. Bare knuckle, you just go. So having that experience in the early UFCs and being able to fight that bare knuckle and be able to go to the Grim, which was even, even more exciting, but to now be able to go into the Valor BK and be able to, obviously I'm, I'm not going to be able to compete in it, but be able to have other people experience that adrenaline rush, that pureness of fighting. You know, when I talk um, – in some of the episodes about other fighters like Conor McGregor or, 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 or Masvidal, man, I'm not, not calling them out or, or, or tricking them into, man, I, and I know Jorge knows it because he fought bare knuckle, right? So it's just about that love and pureness of fighting. You know, I want them to experience that. The, 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 there's nothing, Nothing more challenging than you and another man standing in front of one another with no equipment to give anybody an advantage. It's you and them and your God-given talent. And you're going to step in and you're going to do battle. And then when you're done, you're going to shake hands and you're going to move on to the next one. That's what I want for Valor BK. That's what I want for the fans. And that's what I want for the fighters.
Anyways, man, I'm going to stop rambling, but I appreciate it, man. Thank you for tuning in. Um, appreciate you guys. Uh, also, too, please sign up for my uh, my newsletter at kenshamrock.com. Check that out. And if you haven't already, please. Huh. Anyways, if you haven't already, uh, make sure you like, subscribe, and share this video. Uh, thank you for tuning in. This is Ken Shamrock signing out. God bless. I just want to thank you for watching today's episode. If you didn't already, like, subscribe, and share this video. I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter at kenshamrock.com. And if you love combat sports, visit valorbk.com. Thank you again, and until next time, this is Ken Shamrock signing out.